Today's scripture readings are from Luke 6, verses 20 to 23, and Matthew 5, verses 2 to 12. So I will be reading the verses from Luke, and I invite you to read with me the verses from Matthew in bold. And we will also read the scripture references together after each passage. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Luke 6, 20. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, 2 to 3. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Luke 6, 21. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Matthew 5, 4 to 6. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the, to the prophets. Luke 6, 22 to 23. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Matthew 5, 7 to 12. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, if you've been uh, with us over these past weeks in uh, the fall, you know that we've been in a sermon series in the Minor Prophets called Divine Intervention. If you were hoping to come for an intervention this morning, um, you'll have to wait till next week. We're uh, pausing today to celebrate our giving trees and take a few moments to think about uh, gratitude in the poor, actually specifically Jesus in the poor. And then we'll resume, actually conclude our Minor Prophet uh, series next week as we begin uh, to prepare for Advent. Uh, but this morning, Jesus in the poor. A few minutes ago, you were introduced to our Advent giving trees. And uh, each of us was invited to participate as Grace Sacramento supports church planting and evangelism in the Middle East, where many people have never heard the gospel as it was described to us this morning. You might say that that is a place that is, uh, they called it spiritually dark. Uh, you might say poor in spirit. And each of us was invited to participate as Grace Sacramento prepares a meal and gives some basic gifts to some of our most materially poor neighbors here in our own city. 
We were, entitled, we were invited each to take a tag, or more than one tag, off the tree. If you decide to give food and basic care to the poor in our city, take a green tag. If you decide to help bring good, the good news of Jesus to a place that is spiritually dark and poor in spirit, take a blue tag. But the question is, which should you choose? It reminds me of a famous scene from a 1999 cult cla classic movie called The Matrix. Are you thinking of this scene with me? Maybe you've seen this movie. The protagonist is confronted with these words. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there is something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. It's like a splinter in your mind. You know what I'm talking about. Do you want to know what it is? And then the protagonist is offered in this classic scene the opportunity to take one of two colored pills. Take one and decide that the world is a certain way Take the other and discover that what is wrong with the world is not what you thought. And I wonder if you feel sometimes a little bit like that when it comes to addressing what is wrong with the world. As followers of Jesus, what is our priority? Take a blue tag because when you get right down to it, what's really wrong with the world is that we're lost, that we're alienated from God by sin, that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Or take a green tag, because Jesus said, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. And the scripture says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed or lacking in daily food, and one says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things they need for their body, what good is that? When Jesus says, blessed are the poor, is he telling us to take a blue tag? or is he telling us to take a green tag? The answer is yes. And I want to show you why. Who are the poor? Did you notice the subtle difference between the Beatitudes? We read a similar passage from the Gospel of Matthew and a similar passage from the Gospel of Luke. And did you, did you notice the subtle difference between the Beatitudes in Matthew's Gospel and the way that Luke communicates it, right? Luke says, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Matthew says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew says poor in spirit, and later when Luke says, blessed are you who are hungry now, Matthew says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. In Matthew's understanding, there is a, a bent towards or an emphasis on the fact that Jesus is not speaking about people who are material, materially poor, necessarily. They're not hungering for lunch. They're hungering for righteousness, spiritual fulfillment. Luke's emphasis seems to be on the poverty of the present moment. Those who are hungry now, basic needs of the body, like hunger, uh, that, is, and that is emblematic in the scripture of the suffering of the materially, 
the materially poor, hunger. This tension that we see here is not just a New Testament thing. Uh, It's in the Old Testament too. The meaning of the Hebrew word that's most often translated for us as poor In the Old Testament, that Hebrew word is ani, and uh, a good translation of it is closer to something more like the miserable or the unhappy. And it's applied both to materially poor uh, people and the spiritually needy in the Old Testament. The Old Testament law, the wisdom writings, the prophets again and again encourage Israelites to take care of the impoverished and protect the ani, against being exploited by the rich and the powerful, the materially poor. And yet when you read the Psalms, when you hear a psalmist cry out, hear me, God, because I'm poor and needy, ani wibjong, it's just as likely that you're going to go on and read the rest of the psalm and have them describe their need for forgiveness of the guilt of their sin. As It's just as likely that you'll hear that as you'll hear that they're crying out for physical healing or because of bodily distress. When the Old Testament says ani, it's talking about uh, the poor. It, it's addressing the same thing that Jesus is, talks about when he says the poor. Human suffering and misery. That's a definition that can capture both. Human suffering and misery. Spiritual misery brought on by the guilt and shame of our own sin and the separation from God and physical suffering related to physical sickness and material poverty and social injustice. When we talk about relieving suffering, we often use the word mercy. In fact, later in the Beatitudes, we read, blessed are the merciful. When your auntie cries out, Lord, have mercy, she's calling out for God to display that aspect of his nature that the scriptures describe as his desire to relieve suffering and misery for humans. And, when, and one of the ways that we as humans display God's image is uh, one of the ways that we're created in his image is that we have this impulse to, that makes us sensitive to the hurts and lacks of other people. Mercy moves us, moves in us the desire to alleviate suffering and provide for human need. So what is the greatest human need? Is it spiritual poverty or material poverty? You take a blue tag or a green tag? The answer is yes. Why take a blue tag? Why is addressing spiritual poverty so important? When we talk about human need, we're talking about those things on which a human life depends. And the scripture tells us that we were actually created dependent. We're dependent beings. We did not give life to ourselves. Uh, while, we're, while we are not self-sufficient, Genesis 1 describes a world where all of human needs were met because humanity was in fellowship with its creator. What we needed, he provided But when humanity rebelled and sin entered into creation, humans separated themselves from God and opened a chasm of unmet needs, unfulfilled dependencies. Uh, When we separated ourselves from the source of life, we opened up a, uh, we brought into our lives emptiness and pain and frustration and uh, all manner of attempts to fill that void 
with less than things. Our alienation from God has alienated from understanding ourselves. And not knowing who we are alienates us from other people. And the brokenness of human community has been the source of every kind of suffering and brokenness and misuse of creation that sin has been able to imagine across the millennium. What you know, you can't explain, but you can feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there like a splinter in your mind. That thing is sin. Humanity's rebellion against our creator, and it is, the, it is at the very core of everything that we would call suffering and misery, poverty, the poor. This is the realm that we live in. This is the, 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 crea- the state of creation that we live in. And Jesus' words in the Beatitudes come in the context, the, the larger context of Matthew chapter 5 particularly, in the context of his description of a new realm, what he calls a new kingdom or the kingdom of God, which he says that he's coming to bring, a realm in which through Christ humanity is going to be reunited to fellowship with God. Jesus' primary mission is the fulfillment of God's promise in the garden to do something about sin, to crush the rebellion and somehow save his people from the sin that has infested not only our creation but our hearts as well. Jesus' words in the Beatitudes actually borrow heavily from Isaiah 61 where the prophet foretells that God will keep his promise and save his people from their sin by sending a Messiah who will bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. The poor for whom a remedy is good news are the poor in spirit. Those who hear and believe the news that they can't save themselves from the consequences of sin, but that God has made a way in Christ. The kind of captives for whom good news sets them free are those who are in bondage to sin and death, who hear that Christ has risen from the grave. Jesus has conquered death. Jesus' primary mission was to seek and save the lost, to usher in a new kingdom where people are restored to God, to the God who made them and loves them and is the giver of life. Take a blue tag. Why the green tag? Well, if Jesus' primary mission was to care for the poor in spirit, to provide redemption for sin, then why does caring about the materially poor matter? You might ask it this way. If Jesus came to die on a cross to pay for our sins, why did he feed hungry crowds or heal people of blindness? or other physical ailments? Why did he elevate women and children and serve foreigners if it was here simply to save us from our sin? Let me give you three reasons to take a green tag. Number one, the kingdom of God. Remember, remember we said that the Beatitudes 
uh, Jesus is talking about a new realm that he came to inaugurate in which humanity and creation would be restored to fellowship with their creator. He calls this the kingdom of God. And he initiates the kingdom of God by bridging the chasm, the chasm that sin had made between God and man. And he bridges that chasm by his death on the cross. The idea of the kingdom of God is that what Christ came to do is intended not just to reverse the results of sin in your own personal relationship with God, but to reverse the results of sin in every area of life and creation. When sin disrupted fellowship with God uh, and with his creation, the universe fell into uh, atrophy, into decay, and into death. Every dimension every aspect of our lives that we experience. Christ came to restore that fellowship and usher in a new realm, a new kingdom. And as things are brought back under God's authority through Christ, they are restored to health and to beauty and to freedom. I'd remind you of a passage in Matthew 11 when John uh, the Baptist's disciples come to Jesus and they say to him, uh, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised, and the poor have good news preached to them. God's creation is being restored to health and beauty and freedom wherever Jesus goes. And because where he is, is where God's kingdom is. It follows then that the church, the gathering of Christians, and that word Christian actually literally means Jesus carriers or Christ carriers. So wherever Jesus would be carried, it follows that those places should be an outpost of that kingdom. A little realm on earth where the world can begin to see what life might be like if everything were coming back under the rightful authority of God. That means the church should be in the business of healing, fighting the effects of sin in every aspect of life, a place dedicated to addressing suffering and to addressing misery, whether that's spiritual or medical or social or physical or economic, etc., restoring health and beauty and freedom to every person created in God's image, whether they decide to follow Jesus or not. If you didn't have a chance to be here yesterday, this, this property was a buzz, and it was a beautiful thing. There was a work day here yesterday, and uh, there were people busy making beauty, organizing, and cleaning. Meanwhile, at least for part of the time, there was uh, homeless friends out front eating the donuts and coffee that had been brought for the workers. And our neighbors, our landlord, St. Paul's, was having a diaper giveaway. It was like this busy little beautiful outpost of the kingdom. The kingdom of God. Reason number two to take a green tag, the incarnation. Philippians chapter 2 describes what Jesus did for us like this. Christ Jesus, who, though he was in, very, in the very form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. 
God's solution to our spiritual poverty was not to stay far off and wait for us to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. He knew that, in fact, was impossible because we were dead in our sin. His solution to our spiritual poverty was not to stay far off and send us a check. Jesus, who was in the position of power and influence and wealth like no other because he was in very nature God, took on flesh and entered into suffering. He entered into the poverty of what it is to be in the human experience, and he gave himself away for our redemption. When we use our power, our authority, our influence, our wealth to alleviate misery and suffering, when we show up, when we scoop spaghetti to, uh, to our neighbors, when we build houses, when we stand with the oppressed, we not only do what Jesus did, but we demonstrate to the world with our actions the message that we have believed and by which we have been saved. God, we tell the world by our actions, did not save us by force, but by giving himself away. We make this spiritual reality, we make our salvation visible to the world by the way that we care for the poor. Number three, get a green tag because of felt needs. Reality is, not everyone realizes that what is wrong with the world is a spiritual problem. It's like a splinter in their mind, but they can't explain it. Not everyone understands that what we have is a sin problem. Not everyone will sign up for that language or submit to that reality. In fact, we believe that it takes the illumination of the Holy Spirit to understand that the deepest need of the human heart is fellowship with God. But anyone can understand in themselves and see in others the need for food, clothing, shelter, medical care, human relationship. What is crucial for us to understand is that these felt needs are a doorway to realizing that there is a deeper need. When problems like hunger, shelter, and safety exist in somebody's life, they don't have the bandwidth to consider what the deeper causes of their suffering might be. Uh, they, don't, they, they don't have the time or, uh, the, or the, the horizon to think about their lack of fellowship with God. They're concerned about a lack of fellowship with dinner. When felt needs go unsolved, deeper needs, uh, when, when felt needs get solved, when we care for people's hunger, when we care for issues of shelter, when we care for issues of health and mental health, uh, when those felt needs get solved, deeper needs that people have that, were, that they were either unaware of or that they had concealed to protect themselves can come to the surface. Another way to think about it is this. Someone who's not a follower of Jesus, an, an unbeliever or a skeptic, is not necessarily moved by observing the church addressing the spiritual and theological needs of others. 
partly because they've not yet been moved to feel that they have that need themselves. But we all know what it is to have felt needs. And seeing followers of Jesus caring for the suffering, feeding the hungry, standing with the weak, can soften watching hearts to wonder. Behold, what manner of love is this? And where does it come from? Should you take a green tag or a blue tag? The answer is yes. It's not lost on me that when Jesus gathered with his disciples and devised the way that he would go forth, how he was going to care for uh, our spiritual crisis, the misery and suffering that sin had caused and caused in the separation of humanity from God, that he did it with a meal, <laughs> right? That he said, uh, I'm gonna, uh, this comprehensive invitation to his followers that said, I have come and I care about you. I have come to preach good news to the poor. And so even as we eat and drink, we, we demonstrate to ourselves that uh, Christ has come to bring restoration and that that is the work of the church.